Welcome to On Second Thought, the podcast that revisits films to see if they have stood the test of time. My name is Cameron. I'm Ken. And I'm Andrew. And today we're talking about three men and a baby. Leonard Nimoy's baby. <laughs> <laughs> you get Spock to direct a film and you think that there would be some sort of logic involved. There, <laughs> there is no logic in this film. <laughs> The great thing about this movie is that it could have lasted about five minutes. It could have called child services like a normal person, had the baby taken away, and that would have been the end of the movie. But then I wouldn't have spent an hour and a half trying to figure out why these three grown men live together. <laughs> yes. That is one of the, my biggest points I want to talk about is exactly that. I have the, why are these guys roommates? Yeah. They're they're highly successful guys, all of them. Yeah, they yeah. they are uh, they are a uh, shark in their craft. Tom Selleck's like a successful architect. Yeah, Ted Danson's a successful actor, and uh, Steve Gutenberg's like a, a shitty artist. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever think that like Steve Gutenberg would uh, when he plays basketball, uh, he has a move called the Gutenberg press? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do pictures. I picture him playing basketball a lot, so you're on the right track. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, so he. Uh, so these guys are upwardly mobile, uh, good-looking guys who are successful. Yet they they seem to live together at the age of like forty or whatever. You know. Yeah. 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 My you, you generally my rule uh, in life is. If you can afford catering at a party at your apartment, <laughs> and if you can afford a hairpiece like Ted Danson in this movie, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be living with roommates. Exactly. <laughs> you know they they live a pretty like you know lush life in their in their uh, in their apartment, man. It's pretty nice. The penthouse yeah. is a ridiculous penthouse. I I took issue in the ghost loft that they lived in in the movie ghost <laughs> yeah. but this this is this is ridiculous they had everything it's ridiculous they had a pool table they had a harlem globetrotters pinball machine i think it's safe to say that you always lose when you play the harlem globetrotters pinball machine <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly how do you even win that what is there to win you know but uh, i could see that being a really fun has anyone ever played that because i could see them doing like all kinds of tricks with the with the ball and that would be pretty fun there's one trick that they there's one trick that they do that uh, that uh, convinces you that they never existed, you know, like a con, <laughs> like a con man, like a Kaiser Soze. Yeah, like a um, Kaiser Soze. That's right. Oh, I'd like to see a Kaiser Soze pinball machine. <laughs> Just uh, well, I think the the pinball machine starts at an angle and it kind of eventually <laughs> levels out, like the one leg straightens out over the course of the game. <laughs> When I was like 10, uh, the Harlem Globetrotters came to Edmonton, Alberta to play at uh, a place called the Butter Dome. Andrew, I'm sure you know uh, what that what that is. Yeah, very, very familiar. It's yeah. a it's a huge kind of brutalist building um, where they house uh, minor league sports and like trade shows. Can, things I, like that. can I ask you, I've never heard of Butter Dome, but let me tell you the history of Butter Dome from what I can see <laughs> from why it's called Butter Dome. It's made of butter, first of all. Right. And it's oh, it does look like really? it is, and it's it's and it's owned by Orville Redenbacher, right? Yeah, <laughs> the empire, the popcorn empire. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so the Har- the the Globetrotters played, and we 
at the end of the game, we got out and uh, couldn't find our car. And so I'm with uh, my family uh, at the time. And uh, we were searching for our car for like two hours. And uh, finally, we, we came back uh, to the entrance and there was a group of people. And I think they were fighting. And some of the Globetrotters came out of the front door and started pummeling these guys. <laughs> <laughs> but they were doing it in the hilarious Globetrotter fashion. <laughs> Pulling down their shorts. <laughs> Long story short, we found our car. <laughs> they should make a game of uh, uh, where you would just, uh, not, not even a pinball game, but an arcade game where you're just fighting the Harlem Globetrotters. I can't get over that. I can't get over that you saw them. Uh, the first five minutes of this film are basically a montage sequence of Steve Gutenberg painting a mural in the in the apartment, like an Art Deco kind of cheesy art on the wall. Terrible clip art. Yeah, yes, it was like caricature clip art that he's painting on the wall while Bad Bad Boys plays in the in the background. Right. <laughs> oh, that was the best part. If that was the entire movie, just that song over and over again, and them just like slaying chicks, that would be that's enough for me. And sped up a lot of sped up footage too for no reason. Like it was just so. Yeah, weird. it wasn't sped and up. That, that it was super of... fast, but it was fast enough for you to notice that it was sped up. Yeah, just disor- disorienting. Yeah. And a lot of time spent on uh, on Tom Selleck's mustache being illustrated. On this shitty yeah. mural. <laughs> How annoyed would you be if uh, if we uh, the three of us lived together and you came <laughs> home one day and you that mural was was it, you know all over the house, <laughs> you know? Uh, I'd move out. I'd move out right away. Yeah, it'd be like so creepy. Yeah, it would be great. It would obviously be Ken who did it. <laughs> Are you insinuating that I would be the Steve Gutenberg? Uh, of this three men and a baby situation, I don't like it. I was trying to figure that out of the three of us, who is like the other, and actually, I think I came up with it. Okay. okay. So I, I think that um, Cameron is like Ted Danson Ooh. because he's often he's often exotic locations <laughs> and he's kind of like mysterious. And then neither Ken or I are manly enough to be Tom Selleck's or both. <laughs> <laughs> or you flip a coin and one of you is the baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, one of them is a little girl baby. <laughs> not a not a week went by when Ken and I were living together when a baby showed up on our doorstep. <laughs> okay, does that happen? I gotta ask, does that actually happen in real life? No. And even if it did, there are ways to take care of this situation that don't involve three men raising it. It's the worst, the worst motherly instincts I've ever seen yeah. to leave her baby just and hope someone gets it. I mean, how awful of a person do you have to be to just leave the baby with some dude that you had like I'm assuming a one night stand with, uh, and and just uh, and just leaving it there? What kind of mom are you? You know, how irresponsible could you possibly yeah. be? It's ridiculous. Okay, you get to that fun. You you get to the point where. You're about to leave the child on the doorstep. But then wouldn't these insane murals on in, in the landing 
in their apartment like not even in their apartment that's right they're on the outside of the apartment I, yes yeah wouldn't that wouldn't that sway you to be like you'd pick it back up and then slowly walk back into the elevator <laughs> and call the cops and then and then to take the baby and just run with it and just like is ridiculous as what well. there's so many la- unbelievable layers in this movie like who would just take that baby and just assume <laughs> that this is my responsibility now forever yeah i guess the flimsy premise is that uh ted danson's character uh i guess his agent or like a director says i'm having a package delivered at your place on sunday or monday and uh, don't ask any questions. Somebody will be by to pick it up in a few days. And you just keep it on the down low. And so that, that's the premise. Like, that's why yeah. they don't tell anybody. That's the glue. That's the glue that holds this movie together. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Stupid dudes. So then it turns out that that wasn't the package. It's, it was kind of a mistaken identity. But drugs were delivered. And so they, they're embroiled in this subplot of drug trafficking and hoodlums which is ridiculous but very necessary if you think about it i'm so much more interested like the movie i I did enjoy the movie but i'm way more interested in what happened before this movie took place like how they got to where they are i think that a prequel is in order yeah (laughs) just called three men nothing this is just three men that's right yeah how do you get to be a 40 year old three 40 year olds living in this in this like it's so interesting they had to have been what college college buddies? I I would I would think so. I think that one of them was a college buddy, and the other came in a little later. They met they met them at a at a TED conference. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a TED dancing conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one. <laughs> So there was one time when I, the while you were sleeping poster, the movie while you were sleeping, um, where I cut my face out and put it over Bill Pullman's face as a, you know, a teenager and I'm holding Sandra Bullock up in the air at the train station. Did you put that in your locker or something? Yeah. I hung it up in my locker. I looked like a total psycho. When I was in, I think grade seven in my locker, I had a picture of, you know, that famous picture of Demi Moore when she posed uh, pregnant and nude on the cover of that magazine. And you put your face on top of Demi Moore's face? No, 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 no. (laughs) Almost as good, but way better. Uh, I had the picture of Leslie Nielsen photoshopped (laughs) onto onto Demi Moore's face. Oh, man. Oh, that's that's the best. There's only two, there's only three high school businesses I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> that one we just mentioned about putting bodies on faces and faces on bodies. Uh, selling fake IDs, getting your ID fudged, uh, and uh, selling cigarettes by the cigarette, not not by the pack, <laughs> but selling cigarette one at a time. What would our version of Three Men and a Baby be like if we were living together? Which uh, was, we were close. We were close. Two of us were living together. Audience, can you guess which ones? (laughs) (laughs) Me and Tom Selleck, obviously. I think it would go exactly like it did in the movie, (laughs) including the drug deal. (laughs) 
I have to talk about that drug deal. <laughs> it was the most ridiculous <laughs> drug deal ever. Well, Ted Danson did dress up like a lady in it. Yeah, he, Ted Danson, for some reason, <laughs> dressed to dress up like a woman. Well, he's an actor. <laughs> right. Nimoy just wanted it so bad. He fought oh, yeah. for that. He fought for that so bad. He's like, look, I played Spock. You want to know logic? I know logic. And logic says you got to put Ted Danson uh, in a dress. You won't put ass in seats, logically. Then you're going to have to put Ted Danson in a dress. You know, it's a formula. <laughs> it's the old formula. After the initial five-minute uh, montage of uh, the mural. It was like an hour of a baby crying. I'm not, and I'm not exaggerating. I watched there this were... movie at three in the morning. So it was really annoying when uh, it was just this loud baby crying in the movie. Oh man. I, yeah. It must have been like five times. I turned the volume t- all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't. They didn't sugarcoat that at all. It was yeah. It was obnoxious. Could you imagine watching that in the movie theater, just uh, <laughs> and hearing? You know, sometimes the movie's so loud that you can hear it in the other movie because you know because we all go watch art films and they're all like really quiet, and then in the next movie theater it's like Transformers and it's like explosions and you can hear it from the wall through the Ken, wall. Ken. Are you saying this movie is an art film? <laughs> we watch art films. No. Like Mighty Ducks and uh, Three Men and a Baby. I just don't, I don't get it. I don't know how all of the pieces came together for this movie. Leonard Nimoy? Oh, uh, I would love to see a documentary about this, the making of this movie. He was, uh, he was, he wasn't really directing anybody. He was just mind melding with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, mind melding as as a director. I love that concept. Right? You don't have to tell anybody anything. Just walk up to them, touch their face. They get it. <laughs> yeah. They get it. They get it all all right away. Yeah, yeah, and if if Ted Danson is going off script, uh Nimoy just walks up and gives him the death grip and he just, <laughs> he just falls over. Yeah. That's why he's that's why he's missing for half of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They had to write him out for a while because he was passed out. Yeah. yeah. And I think, well, it's funny because I think in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, they find him directing this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did anybody, like, throughout this entire movie, I just pictured him, like, at home reading the script to this, just in bed or whatever, just, you know, <laughs> chuckling to himself. <laughs> And it just made me like love the movie more. Like every like, yeah. He just read about the montage and he signed. Yeah, out. immediately he's like, "These are my kind of dudes." Could you imagine if that was they lived the same lifestyle? Spock lived the same lifestyle with <laughs> Captain Kirk and Bones. Like he was know. a Ted Danson. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Spock would be definitely the Steve Gutenberg. James T. Kirk would be the Selleck. Wait, Three Men and a Baby was written by Gene Roddenberry? <laughs> <laughs> the original casting uh, called for the baby to be a Klingon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Yeah. I looked this up. This movie was the most, the, uh, the highest, the top grossing movie of 1987. 
This movie really? made the most money in 1987 out of all movies. That's unreal. Could you imagine? Nimoy wouldn't have to work again. But he did. But he did. So, it was actually a remake of a French film. For <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the one that was playing next door in the other theater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in that, in that one, the baby does die. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. From dysentery. Instead <laughs> of the Oregon Trail. On second thought. Whoopi was also in Star Trek. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. Whoopi is hands down the best part of that show. Really? My girlfriend said the exact same thing. That's her favorite character, like of the entire series, is Whoopi Go- with Guinan, yeah, right? Yeah, Guinan, which is kind of a gross name. It's a gross name. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like yeah, some sort of doctor who uh, I don't want to ever visit. <laughs> yeah, or some sort of yoga DVD, Guinan, some yeah. yoga lesson DVD. <laughs> She's awesome. Well, it's the only reason I watch Hollywood Squares. Is she on it? You watch Hollywood <laughs> yeah, Squares? she's the center square. What? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's, by this point, I think it's kind of, I think it's animatronic, like Bo Winkles. <laughs> it's all the uh, Chuck E. Cheese machines. Yeah. Those animatronic Chuck E. Yeah. Cheese things, so they, all they do is sing happy birthday over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll pick Whoopi, center square. The answer is happy birthday. <laughs> Hit it, and then it just goes into the song. <laughs> I remember enjoying Jumping Jack Flash a lot. Really? As a kid. Oh, I, I, I wouldn't mind yeah. seeing that. It sounded really funny. Jumping Jack Flash is the, the movie where she contracts Guinan. Right? <laughs> 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 yeah, the Southeast Asian lover's disease. Yeah, it sounds like if you go to Guinan, you're helping underprivileged children in shanty towns. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to the show. Make sure to check us out on our website on secondthoughtpodcast.com or on iTunes where you can write a review or rate the show. And uh, feel free to drop us an email at Guinan at onsecondthoughtpodcast.com. <laughs> uh, just kidding. We, we still don't know what our email address is. Uh, we're we're trying to figure it out. Tell somebody about the show. And if you go to onsecondthoughtpodcast.com, you can uh, check out uh, what we're reviewing next if you want to watch the movie with us and kind of do it, like be a part of the movie club. It might be fun to do that. <laughs> we're just friends having a baby. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we're going to name it Gunnin, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>